about AT&T. They just reported earnings after the closing bell. Shares down 1.7% in the after hours. Let's take a look at the quarter. Craig Moffat, founder and senior analyst at Moffat Nathanson Research, knows the telecom uh, space uh, really well. He joins us on the phone in New York City, followed it for a long time. Hey, AT&T, um, Craig, it looks like it has to do with those wireless subscriber forecasts. Uh, when you look at the quarter, what disappoints you? Well, it, look, AT&T is, first of all, you just have to get your arms around what a gigantic company this company has become. Um, but I think you can think about it as, as really having three separate businesses, all of which are, are roughly the same size. You've got uh, a wireless business, a wireline business, and uh, and then you've got an entertainment business that today is mostly direct TV, but will include Time Warner. I, the problems here are probably not really concentrated as much on the wireless side this time as they are everywhere else. Um, uh, but this is a company with with you know two hundred billion dollars plus of market cap and another one hundred eighty billion dollars of on balance sheet debt. Um, it's got 180 billion dollars of revenue. It, it's hard to move that pile, and the problem right now is it's a negative revenue growth company. Um, and for a telephone company, it has lots of fixed costs. When you're shrinking in your wireless business, even if it's just a little bit, and you're shrinking in your, and and let me put some numbers around that. Their wireless service revenues are shrinking at about, uh, uh, or um, are shrinking at about 2.8 percent or so. Relative to last year, their their total wireless revenues are down four percent, um, and uh, and in their business solutions um, wireline business, which is a business bigger than the entire company of Time Warner, they're shrinking at six percent. It's hard to grow when when you have those kinds of headwinds in front of you, and and that's the real struggle here. What's the what's the media strategy here? Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't get it. I, I have to tell you, I don't really get it either. I, I think they have talked a lot about the idea that we'll all eventually watch video on their on our cell phones, and that's sort of self-evidently true. But I don't understand how that really translates into a strategy. It's not clear at all why the same company needs to own both the video and and the 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 wireless service. And and I think you're seeing that in the numbers, right? They they are using video in order to help get their make their wireless customers stickier and they do indeed have a lower churn rate although so does everybody else right now in wireless so I, I suppose that piece is working but they're discounting the video service so aggressively that they're simply transferring value from video to wireless and that doesn't amount to a strategy really so I, I'm I'm admittedly like you it sounds are, I'm struggling to truly understand how this rises to the level of of strategy as opposed to just diversification. You guys are smart guys. This is an $85.4 billion purchase of Time Warner. Does it not make sense, Craig? Is that what you're saying? Well, first I would say it's 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 a hundred and ten billion dollar purchase of Time Warner because you obviously right. have to count the the debt as well, um, and uh, it, the Time Warner piece in some ways is is less problematic for me than the, the Directv piece was. Um, you know, they paid sixty billion dollars for Directv for a business that is now declining pretty sharply and and 
probably only two years after they bought it. It's probably worth about half what they paid for it two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, at least if you think about what the multiple would probably be if it were still a public company. Um, and now you're buying Time Warner, but Time Warner, well, it has some wonderful assets. They paid a very high price for it, and it's not like there aren't real structural problems facing cable networks, for example. Um, so so you're, you're, they're, they're once again sort of loading up on another business that is secularly challenged. And in some ways, what they're doing is very curious in that they are taking a business that already faces price pressure, and then they're starting to aggressively discount it and, and, and in many ways, therefore, they're putting incremental pressure on their own businesses. You know, DirecTV, for example, you bought a business in DirecTV um, that is the single largest legacy distributor of video in order to, as they put it, sort of disrupt and reinvent the legacy video business. Well, why would you buy a legacy business first in order to disrupt it? If you really wanted to disrupt right. it, stay away from it. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, um, and I guess, so it's, it, it, again, it's sort of curious to see how all this really adds up to a strategy as opposed to simply diversification of what is already a, a spectacularly large business. So why are you new to, oh, shoot, we're running out of time. you got to come back because there's so much more... Um, I think you were going to ask me why am I neutral, and the answer is I, I've had a, a sell rating on it for most of the year. Okay. We thought that, that, that there would probably be some technical upward pressure on it into the close, yep. and so we wanted to steer clear of, of, of having a sell rating. But I think longer term, this is a very problematic asset. You're the best. Craig Moffat, thank you so much. Founder, Senior Analyst at Moffat Nathanson Research, breaking down those earnings from AT&T. <laughs> 